Welcome to episode 19 of Super Entertainment Presents the Telgen Crossover Universe on the Grand Geek Null Network. Coming to you from Castle Wolfenstein, hosted by the TVCU crew. Joining me from Studio C is Chris Nigo, author and founder of Wild Hunt Press. And I am Robert E. Ronsky Jr., author of the Horror Crossover Encyclopedia. We are half of the TVCU crew. Um, Ivan's actually on his way, stuck in traffic. Crazy Ivan Shabowski, convention panelist and lover of cheese. Um, but he will be here shortly. And um, James Boyochuk will not be joining us this week. Uh, the TVCU crew are a team of crossovers who devote way too much of their time to connecting the dots through official crossovers and Easter eggs in order to demonstrate a shared fictional reality that we call the television crossover universe. So, Chris, welcome. Great to be here again, as usual. All right, so what have you got for us to plug this week? Well, I'm working on one story that I'm hoping to get accepted for 18th Wall. I'm going to leave it as a mystery, but let's just say Western enthusiasts would go ape over it, and I'll leave it at that. (laughs) All right. And once again... I'm hoping to get um, a full anthology of Cy Tharn, Martian Warrior on Earth, completed based on the story I had published in Aliens Among Us, Volume 1, by Pulp Empire, and everything else would be a redundant plug from the past couple weeks. All right. Um, On my end, um, I don't have too much to plug, but um, I was kind of taking a break from my my book writing, and I... uh, I've been uh, filling up uh, the Telgen Crossover Universe website, which is TelgenCrossoverUniverse.com, uh, with lots of new stuff, uh, lots of posts to read. Um, and uh, to plug on behalf of our, our absentees, I know that Ivan has updated his very popular um, Adventures of Ivan Shabowski timeline. And uh, I'm sure James would have had something to plug about 18th Wall, uh, so just check out 18thwall.com. Um, they always seem to have something new coming out. They're very, very busy over there. Um, so um, instead of wasting time, let's uh, go to a quick commercial. And uh, we have a guest coming up uh, right after the break. All right, we're back. Our guest tonight is a well-known author whose work covers both crossovery type licensed characters and original character stories. He first came to my attention with his Hellboy novel, Unnatural Selection. I've since come to uncover more of his excellent work, including a recent Alien Predator novel. I'm excited to welcome Tim LeBond to the show. Welcome, Tim. Hi, thanks for having me. All right, thank you for coming. And uh, I, I just want to give a heads up. Um, our other co-host, Ivan Shabowski, is not here right now. He will be slipping in at some point during the interview because he's stuck in traffic. All right. <laughs> We're just full of surprises here. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to start off. Um, uh, as I just said, uh, your work first came to my attention when I was researching for my horror crossover encyclopedia when I discovered Hellboy, um, Unnatural S- Selection. Um, mm-hmm. I, I caught three crossovers in that story. Uh, when you reference um, Hellboy's previous cases involving the 70s version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, yeah. Jaws, and Mimic, um, did I miss anything? Oh, wow. Uh, if you recall. It's quite a while <laughs> since I wrote that novel, actually. Um, uh, I, I, I couldn't tell you. There, there probably were other mm. things in there. It's, it's been, I guess I've written 15 or 18 novels since then, and I, I can't quite remember. But it was fun doing the crossover, you know, trying to slip some things like that in to see if see if people picked them up, and I'm glad you did. It's good. 
Yeah, no, no, no worries. I, I figured you might not recall. <laughs> even, even with my, even with my books, people are like, oh, do you remember this? I'm like, I don't. I have to reread it. <laughs> um, so you've written several licensed property stories, um, but you have also written several, you know, of your own original. Do you have a preference of writing licensed characters or original characters, or is it about the same for you? Um, I mean, I guess. Uh, I mean, I'd probably prefer writing my own novels, you know, my own mm-hmm. uh, non-licensed stuff. Um, when it comes to licensed stuff, I think. Um, I mean, the first the Alien novel I wrote, uh, Out of the Shadows, had Ripley in it. So it was a big, mm. big buzz for me writing a Ripley novel. Um, but the trilogy I'm writing now, the Rage War trilogy for Titan, right. the Alien Predator trilogy, I got to just create all my own new characters. And that's that's sort of a bit more rewarding in a way. Yes. Um, the the problem with that was it's such a huge cast of characters. I had, I I knew I'd face trouble coming up with names, so I actually put a post on Facebook and said, um, "If any of you want to be killed by aliens or predators, let me use your name." <laughs> <laughs> so, lots of listen, lots of your listeners. It's possible that some of them might find their names in in those novels. Oh, that's awesome. So, I, cr- Chris. Um, did you did you get a chance to read read the alien? I mean, the Predator novel yet? I ha- I unfortunately didn't get a chance to get to reading it. Um, it's on my it's on my buy list. I've had a chance to really start diving into Predator Incursion, and I must say it's great work, Tim. I'm, oh, thank you. Yes, you're welcome. I'm hooked, and I mu- I must ask you the particular dark future of the Aliens universe that you're working in. It's not like the optimistic Star Trek universe. And this one, <laughs> Waylon yutani rules everything, and I wanted to ask you, what is what is the appeal? What insights do you get from working in such a dark future? Um, most of my stuff's pretty dark, to be honest. Uh, you know, if even if I was asked to write a Star Trek novel, it would probably be a pretty <laughs> dark one uh, I, wrote, I wrote a Star Wars novel and uh, yeah that was that was quite dark and quite adult to, to the extent that I got told off by Star Wars fans for using cuss words oh I wow didn't know you couldn't use cuss words in a Star Wars novel to be honest uh, but they, they, sh- they soon told me so um, I mean Alien has been out of all the all the licensed stuff I've done I mean I've done Star Wars and Hellboy and a couple of movie novelizations Alien was always the one novel I wanted to write. Um, and actually, I, I almost wrote one quite a few years back now when Dark Horse were publishing them. And then I think their line stopped, and uh, so so that didn't happen. But it was, a, it was a real good opportunity when Titan approached me and Chris Golden and Jim Moore to write that trilogy. And it was a, it was a dream come true. Alien and Aliens, actually, the first two, uh, two of my favorite movies. And I just, I just love the dark stuff. It's why I'm generally quite a cheerful guy in real life i think i just get all this dark stuff down on the page right one thing you did that was great tim is that you took some of those um i believe the trope is evil capitalists like gerard marshall but you gave them depth yes they're evil corporate slugs but you did give depth to them and do you find it interesting in terms of writing let's say bad characters and making them human yeah, absolutely. I think if you write a bad character or an evil character and they've got no, uh, they've got no psycholog- psychological depth to them or you know, not even any, any lighter side, then it's just a bit boring and unrealistic. Uh, 
all my characters tend to be shades of grey, to be honest. And Gerard Marshall, in particular, sort of progresses through um, through the the ongoing story, the ongoing trilogy, and, and he does sort of without too many spoilers. He takes on sort of a larger role, really. Um, it, yeah, I mean, it's like I said, it, 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 it would be boring to me just to create a truly evil character with no redeeming features. And I like to give him, you know, I gave him in particular a bit of a bit of a family background and a, a bit of history. And um, you want your reader to empathize with them as much as your heroes, really. And you did the same with General Bassett. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bassett is um, not, you know, he's a true military man, but he's he's pretty brutal with it. Um, but yeah, he's, I, I wanted to wanted to look into his background a little bit more because he's. You know, he's like the, the leader of the Colonial Marines, but he doesn't actually... He, he's just in his base commanding them, really, so he's, there's not much action involved with him. But, um, again, later in the trilogy, he does a little bit more. When you when you write... Oh, I'm sorry. When you write uh, licensed um, tie-in stuff, um, do you get a lot of free reign, or or, or does it depend on the characters that are getting used? and? A lot of the time, it'll depend on. I, I think each each sort of project has been slightly different. Uh, the Star Wars Star Wars novel, for instance, <clears throat> I was asked to write the novel based in um, the the Dawn of the Jedi right. sort of comic era. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, but it was all my it was my story, and they were all my characters. Um, and I, I think I, I I did cross over a little bit with some of the Dawn of the Jedi comic characters. Just met a few of them in the novel. But Lenori Brock, the main, my main character, was all mine. Um, and the alien, the alien, the first alien novel, uh, Out of the Shadows, that was from a sort of two-page pitch from Fox, a guy at Fox. Mm-hmm. He came up with a two-page pitch which covered a trilogy, and I was lucky enough, I think, to take to take on the the first novel in the trilogy, which was the the Ripley novel between Alien and Aliens. Uh, so that, again, there, were, there was quite a bit of freedom there. It was right. We want this novel. Ripley's in it, and she has an alien adventure. She wakes up from hypersleep, has an alien adventure, without giving anything away to anyone who hasn't read it. That give, that presents the obvious problem that in Aliens, when she wakes up, she doesn't remember it. So right. that was a bit of a mm, yeah. What am I going to do about that? But yeah, quite a bit of freedom, really, uh, especially the the. And, and the Hellboy novels as well, I think. Uh, I seem to remember the first uh, a Natural Selection that you remembered. That went to Mike Mignola for his approval after I'd written it, and his only comment was, Hellboy doesn't have a prehensile tail. Oh. I think I'd had, I'd had Hellboy swinging on a on a beam or something. Mm. Um, so, you know, sometimes I, I expect, I've learned to expect a bit of more complex feedback, but often... The people, you know, they, they just like what you've done, and uh, as long as you don't go too mad with something, right. like I, I couldn't take a Hellboy novel and kill Hellboy, for instance, right. because mm-hmm. you know, mess things up. So, yeah, it's all. It's all that. Sorry, I said. So the creator, basically, Mister Bignola, he just gave you a little hell for that one error. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, my mate, my friend Chris Golden was editing, mm. um, editing the line at the time. And I think Chris Chris is a good friend of Mike Mignola, and they've written a lot of stuff together. So Chris basically knew what I could do and couldn't do. So I, it, it's possible that that was passed over to Mike by Chris. But yeah, no prehensile tale. I thought it would be pretty cool, actually. But there you go. He's not my creation. 
Now, um, you, ha- you you contributed a story to a, um, an anthology called Snafu, A Natural Selection. Is there yeah. any connection, or is that a complete coincidence, the the title? There's, yeah, that's a coincidence. There's no collection. That's, that's what that's, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh. oh that's, that's a um, Cohesion Presses anthology. Mm. It, it just happened to be the uh, title that they came up with. No connection at all. Again, funnily enough, that's an original novella written right. with Chris Golden as well. So, so we're looking forward to seeing that. I think that's going to be later this year, actually. Yeah, it looked very interesting to me. Yeah, you know what I'm wondering, Tim, considering your future work, um, pun sort of intended, with um, the Aliens and the Predator franchise, is there any chance that you're going to bring some of the revelations we saw in Prometheus regarding the Xenomorphs in? Um, uh, what can I say without giving stuff? <laughs> well, the easiest thing to say is we were told that we couldn't touch the Prometheus. Mm. Uh, timeline and story because obviously the ongoing movies uh, yeah. it, it again it would be difficult for me to make sort of decisions or, or um, you know creations about the Prometheus backstory considering that there's going to be two more movies so we, we were told basically stay away from that alien and predator um, and so that's, that's probably the easiest thing to say about that between me and you, Tim, did, do you have any hopes at some point in the future to maybe have the Yuchi? Is that how you pronounce the Predator's uh, race? Um, Yaucha, I think they're pronounced. Yeah. 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 Do, do you have any intention, maybe at some point in the future, if allowed, to have the Yaucha knock heads with the engineers for some reason? I'd really yeah. like that. That would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Yeah, that, that, would, be, that would be good fun. I mean, I've done, this, I've done this trilogy now, and that, that's coming out soon. I, uh, you know... In in the near future, I don't see myself writing another Alien Predator novel because I've I've, I've now done four Alien Alien novels really in a very short time. So um, as I you know I, I do enjoy the tie-in stuff and it 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 sort of it's fun to do and a lot of people read the books you know they they sell amazingly well. The two times I've been on the New York Times list has been for tie-in novels, which is nice. But I do love writing my own stuff as well, and I've I've got um, you know book deals for my own stuff that I need to I need to concentrate on a little bit. But you never know; I'll never say never. You know. Incidentally, uh, so I I was on your website and I found that uh, Nicholas Cage it was in a movie that was based yeah. on one of your stories and happened to be on Netflix. Uh, so I so I I caught it and I really enjoyed the film. Um, yeah. And I have not read the story, um, and I know sometimes Hollywood takes a lot of liberties. Uh, how close was the? F- did they get it right? It was surprisingly close, actually. The, oh, that good. that film, as most movies do, you know. First of all, I'm really delighted that I, I've had a movie made. I know a lot of. I've got a lot of writing friends, and there's lots of stuff in development hell as they as they call right. it in Hollywood and I was very lucky to actually get a movie made with a big movie star you know it was great um, and the uh, Dan Kay the guy who wrote the screenplay he, he did I think he did a brilliant job and he did stick pretty close actually to some of the it, first of all it was a short story so right. uh, it's only I think it's like 7,000 words 7 or 8,000 words long so um, obviously he had to develop quite a bit of the background mythos and uh, um, just the background to the whole story uh, it, was, it was so it was pretty close lots of the themes were the same and the sort of atmosphere of it was was pretty close to the story yeah I was I was really pleased with it it, uh, it, it, it I, did I seem my, to fit your atmosphere 
the yeah yeah with dark and grim yeah and the, kind <laughs> of mis- a mystery you know with a little bit of mystery and yeah. you know yeah i was i was thrilled with it i mean i, I was i was sent um i didn't have anything to do with the movie making process and right. i didn't didn't go on set or anything unfortunately but i was sent a couple of the i was sent the movie on dvd by the uk distribution company when it was released and i didn't watch it straight away because um it didn't get a cinema release over here so i I arranged Mm. a private screening at a local cinema for family and friends so i watched it for the first time there surrounded by a hundred family and friends uh and i was so relieved that it was actually fairly decent you know (laughs) yeah it it was was a really good film yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It seems, oh, it seems in your work, Tim, that family is a recurring theme because I really like what you did with the Voidlarks, the excursionists, um, that mm. branch of the Colonial Marines in your novel. They were like a family. They were a close-knit group, not just warriors, but um, what inspired you to go that route with these Marines? Um Mainly because I think they, because they were the excursionists, so there are sort of beyond or at the very edge of the human influence in the galaxy and sometimes you know edging beyond so they're out there for years and years at a time six five six seven of them in one small spaceship so i tried to figure how that would work and i I sort of thought the nearest thing we have to it on earth is submariners i guess people who you know nuclear submarines they're under the water for six months of the year or even longer and i tried to try to put myself in their place and see how they'd manage doing that and if there's a you know a big submarine and there's 100 or 150 people it's not so intense but if you've got a spaceship with five or six or seven people you're going to have to have a close relationship i think and family like you said in my um my own original fiction family's always a big thing because i've got my own family so um uh writing horror fiction for instance the, the big terror for me is something happening to family and that, that's why stuff like my novel The Silence uh, and my thriller The Hunt is is all about family in peril. And The Hunt is your first uh, thriller without any fantastical elements, isn't it? It is, absolutely. It's the first, yeah, the, the first thing I've had published without any supernatural or fantastical elements. It's just a straight, straight chase thriller. Did you enjoy that enough that we might see more of that? Yeah, there's a second one out. From oh, right. on, it's August. Um, it's sort of an indirect sequel. It features some of the same characters, but it's it's not not really linked to the story of the hunt. But yeah, I love 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 writing it because um, hunt especially is is something I had to write. I wrote it on spec, and um, uh, because it's it's based all around endurance sport, which I enjoy doing marathon running and Ironmans and stuff like that. And I just wanted to write about something i knew a little bit about i don't know a lot about it but so it's a big chase story with a guy running and swimming and cycling and yeah being and doing you, the sort of stuff i do without being shot at <laughs> and you're about to do another iron man aren't you did, uh, did i sep- see that on your website yeah september's the next one uh, yeah. but i've got a few races leading up to that as sort of part of the training thing this the uh, september's iron man wales which is one of the i'm told reliably it's one of the toughest Ironman races in the world, so and I've I've done the course, but not, right, right, not all in one go. So I do expect it's going to hurt, and there's lots of hills. And it's for a cancer charity of some sort, isn't it? Um, yeah, I'm raising money for Macmillan Cancer Charity. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's somebody's lost. You know, somebody. there's no there's no downside to doing it. I, yeah. I, um, if I'm I do these races anyway, 
Um, and so why not try and, you know, right. just raise a bit of money. And if I can raise 500 pounds or a thousand pounds, then it's, it's, it's only good. You know, there's no downside to it. So it's good. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned, uh, now back to the world of fiction uh yeah. you, you mentioned the silence also and you know yeah. the, i was i was thinking of that when i was talking about the your your creepy mysterious feel you know with um mm. uh with with pay the ghost that um the the silence is 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 very much in that that vein you know uh mysterious creatures from from under yeah. the earth and everybody everybody basically having to just like tiptoe around and yeah. and learn how to like not make noise <laughs> that well, yeah yeah I, I just thought it was a pretty neat idea really and um and I, i'm a massive fan of uh john Wyndham and john christopher and writers like that you know the the sort of ecological and monster novels of the, of the 60s or 70s and 80s um and i wanted to write one of my own I, I also wanted to do something that was a bit went against type with this type of novel so it starts off with massive conflict and cities being taken out and and all that going on and and it, and as the novel goes on it becomes literally quieter and there's fewer people around and people are leaving cities and going out into the country so it doesn't end with a bang it starts with a bang and then sort of just creeps along a little bit and gets gets quieter and uh yeah darker and more mysterious i suppose yeah, um, borrowed time was another one of your apocalypse type of uh, yeah things. Uh, that was very much more, I mean, uh, apocalypse. Um, so I, what I, I appreciate about that was a trilogy, but mm-hmm. it but it wasn't necessarily um, like two sequels to you know you know it was like three mm-hmm. separate stories in the same world you know that where this happened. Uh, uh, and I, I really, really appreciate that. What I have to ask: um, Was there a, a, a biblical? Um, was 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 this revelations going on with Borrowed Time? Because you had you had uh, all kinds of different supernatural menaces in in each of the. Yeah, yeah. Um, that strangely enough didn't cross my mind, hmm. my mind when I wrote it. I mean, I wrote um, naming of parts, uh, maybe maybe 12 or 15 years ago now and that was the zombie that was my zombie story and I realized at the end of that that I'd left the family alive so you know they could have other adventures so um uh, it was naming parts changing of faces was my werewolf were creature story mm. and then shifting veils was sort of a ghost story uh, yeah. so the only thing you know I, I could have done a vampire one but uh I'm not so keen on vampire stories really and I wasn't sure I could do one that that was because I tried to make the three of them sort of quite original. The naming of parts was a zombie thing, but it wasn't just zombie people. It was right. creatures were being zombified, and even the grass died but still lived, things like that, you know? Yeah. No, I, I didn't. The, the whole biblical thing didn't probably didn't really cross my mind when I was writing it. Oh, it's funny. The, that's Should, like the yeah. first thing that came to me was... Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe subconsciously. Yeah, yeah. Subconsciously, yeah, yeah. Um. I- I saw some good theological commentary, too, with the founders, Tim, in your book, the ones who become, oh, I don't want to give the spoiler, so I'll just say Mm, founders, and uh, I I saw, it seems that that there's a commentary with 
basically what I see a recurring theme in your book is isolation, and you have that represented by space. Yeah, um, I think the founders probably, and the name comes from it, the, the sort of my idea for them was based on like the founding fathers of America, people leaving, right, we're leaving Britain and Ireland and we're, we're sailing off to the promised land. And that's sort of what the founders did in, in the Rage World trilogy as well, before stuff happened to them. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess that's a, a sort of correlation to to early, very early explorers on, on Earth. Um, I was trying to figure out how, you know, if we do get the technology in the future and start heading out to the stars, what are people going to feel like and how, you know, the, these endless journeys before them and and what are they going to do when they get to their destination? Are they going to be happy there? Well, you did a good job of forcing the reader, I should say, to ask these questions. And yeah. it's like basically another theme I was seeing is that space is just terrifying. It's, you know... Mm. It, it's it, a lot of people think, oh, it'd be so cool out there. But you present space, I would say, very accurately as a place that anything can go wrong at any moment and basically does. Yeah, the the, the the problem I faced with the trilogy, and I tried to I tried to confront it, but you you can't confront it with a big space double like this. Is how stupidly huge space is, you know. These ships are traveling light years, trillions and trillions of miles, yet I still need one character 50 light years away to be able to communicate with, uh, like, the Colonial Marine base back in Sol System. So um, I, I try to get over a sort of a, a epic scope of story, but still, you know, be able to have characters communicating with each other and ships jumping from one star system to another. Otherwise, the the story takes place over fifty four thousand years, and people mm. are just getting a bit tired. And <laughs> so, same with Star Wars. You know, um, Luke takes off in an X wing fighter, and he goes from one system to another, which is light years away. And those X wing fighters don't even have toilets. You know, what's he going to do? I, I assume he wears like yeah, like astronauts do space nappies, space yeah. diapers, or whatever. I don't know. The Jedi diaper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, um, I, I really wanted to try to get the the whole scope and scale of it in there, but but at the end of the day, I still had to remember that it's a big action-packed Predator and Alien novel. So um, you know, the, the the battles were the main thing. Really, I enjoyed. I do enjoy wiping out lots of people. I mean, <laughs> it's a, a terrible thing to say. And you've uh, Rob, you mentioned my apocalypse sort right. of fixation. I, I've. I did once count. I've, I've killed more than thirty-five billion people in my novels. So um, yeah, there's <laughs> there's a darker side. That, that, that's a way to get over resentments. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Put them in my book. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I probably killed an infinite number of people because I wrote a, I wrote a novel called Coldbrook, which was my big zombie thing, but it was also an alternate Earth. Uh, sci-fi novel so there was an endless amount of alternate earths that had been hit by the zombie apocalypse so uh, i've actually killed an infinite number of people oh that's excellent <laughs> i i have i i need to catch that one i need <laughs> I'm, it's good fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm big I'm, on the alternate universe stuff so <laughs> oh you might like cold book it's yeah yeah i hope you would it's a big it's a big zombie thing but there's uh yeah the alternate alternate world thing thrown in as well for a bit of fun and you also did the Cabin in the Woods uh, yeah. novelization, which ended with an apocalypse. 
Yeah, yeah, not not through my choice. Right, you know, right, right. Because not through my choice, but yes, that was a pleasant surprise when I read the script. Oh, great! I'm destroying the world again. Yeah, <laughs> great! Another chance to wipe everybody out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it does give a hand to an apocalypse, anyways. Sorry. It does give a hand to an apocalypse, anyway. Towards the end. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was it was good to good to see. <laughs> And all those horror tropes that you see in Cabin in the Woods, there's like, did did, did Wyden manage to cover all of them? <laughs> Every horror trope we've ever had, demonic clowns. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was very clever. I mean, I I must admit, I I wrote the novel a couple of years before the movie came out because there was mm. a hold up with the movie. And when I, I read the script and wrote the novel, and and I was I'd signed a non disclosure, so I couldn't. You know, obviously couldn't talk about it. Right. right. But I thought to myself, oh, I don't know if this is going to work. And when I saw the movie, I thought, great. What a really clever, clever film. I loved it. Well, we always wanted to know, why do these groups of college students act so stupid and do stupid things? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what they addressed, wasn't it? It was really, it was a very clever film, actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, now it makes sense as to why it, their actions didn't make sense. If that- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't go into the cellar, but I'm compelled to. <laughs> right, right. Go into the cellar. <laughs> Result, yeah, it was good yeah. fun. All good fun. Yeah. So, what I what I what I get from your work, and what I what I love from your work is that even even when it's a licensed story, it's still your story. Like, yeah, like you're basically uh, here's a universe. You know, mm-hmm. you create. You know, create within that universe. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, even even with your your Star Wars, yeah, you use profanity. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't no, it wasn't terrible stuff. It was yeah, uh, yeah. and it was. She, I wanted my character to be again, you know, the, the whole thing about the Dawn of the Jedi comics. It was it wasn't dark side and light side. It was balance. They were finding had to find the balance between dark side and light side. So, so she was a really conflicted character, right? And I wanted to write. Um, I know, you know, Star Wars isn't just for kids, obviously, because right. there's millions of fans throughout the world. So I wanted to write something that 12-year-olds could read, but also 82-year-olds could read and yeah. enjoy. Um, so, uh, and a, a, a terrible admission, but I'd not read any Star Wars novels. <laughs> <laughs> so I was asked to do this one, and I said, yep, yeah, great, because I'm, you know, I, I love the I love the movies, right. and uh, most of them, and... Um, like you say, it was. I thought, right, this is a Tim Levin novel set in the Star Wars universe, and and it was. So it was dark and grim and quite adult. But and and it's in it, a time period where um, um, the Force Awakens doesn't cancel it out. So it's still no, it's, right. it's still yeah, it's yeah. still it still can count as canon, which is <laughs> yeah. well, it's not though. It's it's Star Wars Legends now. It's oh, because uh, of the whole Disney thing. They is that they, how they're doing all the pre Disney stuff? Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, I think most of the not all the pre Disney stuff. I don't think, but but stuff like mine, yeah, which talks about the creation or how the, how the Jedi came into being, and uh, that that's now Legends. So it's like a fictional fiction. Really, <laughs> uh, oh. it's a fictional novel set in a fictional world. Yeah, Double yeah, fiction. <laughs> fiction within fiction. Yeah, oh, which is fine by me. You know, it's still yeah. still there. It's still a Star Wars novel. Right, right. Most right. people loved it. Some people hated it. There wasn't much in the middle, and I think that probably I'm quite happy with that. I'd rather write something that people love and hate than I mean, than something that people just are a bit ambivalent about. 
when it comes to something like Star Wars, that's what you have to expect anyway. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. even yeah. George Lucas, everybody loves him and hates him. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> it, it's such a such a mad, not mad in, in that sense of the word, but such a dedicated fan base. You know, I did get a few a few strange emails, I must admit. <laughs> <laughs> it was good fun, though. Yeah. Well, it helps hone the thick skin that writers need to have because every writer knows there's going to get criticism at some point. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was just funnily enough when I when I was waiting for you guys to call, I I, I realized I hadn't popped on Amazon for a while and look at reviews of my books, and so, suddenly I wish I hadn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes that's like not a good. Thing. No, no. Just... It's not good for your self esteem to look at your reviews. <laughs> no, I I, I can ha- I can handle bad reviews. I mean, I. I don't think it's a thick skin. It's just like you said. It's an understanding that you really right. you can't please everyone, and if you do please everyone, what you've written is probably mediocre and not, you know, don't see daring or not not different. You know, uh, if you write something middle of the road to please to please everyone, then it's not going to be very satisfying to work on. Right. At, at least with the um, the alien predator thing, the I mean, it still has a, a very strong fan base. Yeah. But they're but they don't seem to be as fanatical to the point that they will, like, want to kill you. <laughs> um, <laughs> like Star Trek. Lantern <laughs> Corps, who wanted to kill, what was it, uh, whoever did the Emerald Twilight storyline in the... In the oh, yes, he literally got death threats. That's oh. not good. Wow. No. <laughs> we all love these characters. They're iconic, but to threaten people over them, I mean... <laughs> yeah. I've not had death threats. I've been told I have been told I'm going to hell, but yeah, what you know, what the hell? Uh. <laughs> um, yeah, I've not had death threats, though. Uh, you know, the Alien Predator fans—they're uh, actually a really good bunch, and and they are very—they are very dedicated, and they do have long, in-depth discussions about whether um, Wayne Gitani would really act like that. And but they—they've been quite welcoming. You know, I've dipped my toe into their the world, they the universe they love, and and. Uh, some of them have loved the books and some of them have hated them. And that's that's fine. That's Like you say, you, you're just going to get that. Absolutely. Now, I got I to gotta ask, because you said that you've been, you've been told you're going to hell. Is that <laughs> specifically for the alien predator thing or just because you write horror? No, it was uh, it was um, a fantasy novel I wrote called Dusk quite a mm. few years ago. I, I'd written, I wrote sort of five or six dark fantasy novels, which right. were, they were alternate world novels saying... Uh, worlds that I'd made up, but they were really, really dark. I mean, they were horror novels set in other worlds, really. Um, yeah, and I, I had this uh, handwritten letter, which mm. I just don't get much anymore, and it was quite nice. And I opened it, oh, great. And I thought, you know, maybe my ego was flicking. I thought, oh, great, fan mail, but it wasn't. It was, <laughs> it was, a, it was, it wasn't nasty, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm an atheist, so if you tell me I'm going to hell, you might as well tell right. me. I'm, going to uh wonderland or you know it doesn't it didn't bother me but it was um the same and the same letter had been sent to uh the cover artist and my editor i'm pretty oh, sure my wow. editor Phantom got one as well virtually the same letter just and it, it wasn't it wasn't nasty it was i just thought i should tell you that um because you're writing this stuff you're going to go to hell and you need right. to repent oh, right. well as no, a courtesy I, they were telling you yeah, yeah. they were being courteous <laughs> and, you know and they um I considered it and thought, well, no, I'm earning royalties, so I go. <laughs> and the, uh, funnily enough, the book's still out of all the novels I've ever written. Mm-hmm. 
it's the only one that still I get a royalty check for every year. So that maybe that says something. I don't know. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, I just thought it was funny because uh, I, I I wrote um, a, a book about horror, and, right. and I was and I was told by a a, a good Christian friend that they were, I was going to go to hell. Just you know, just you and just book. very nonchalant about <laughs> yeah, yeah. about it. And I'm like, well. I guess I'm going to then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. And th- this letter wasn't abusive or threatening. It was just, look, I need to tell you this. So it was somebody who genuinely believed what they'd written. And right. uh, they were probably genuinely concerned about my soul. But right. <laughs> each, each to their own. <laughs> I, I, I just find it a little, little funny because, uh, you know, the the Bible's a pretty dark book too. <laughs> yeah, come on, yeah. I mean, I I the stuff I've done hasn't got a, hasn't got a touch on that. Right. You <laughs> want to talk about killing lots of people? <laughs> yeah. You put a plate down on anyone lately, Tim? At least not that we know of. So <laughs> not that. Well, not 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 consciously. No. <laughs> I don't think you sicked any locusts on anyone either. But no. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't see that on your resume on your website. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tim Levin has been told he's going to hell. <laughs> Why didn't God get consigned to hell for doing all that stuff in the Old Testament? But that's just me. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. A corporate executive, a cosmic corporate, a corporate executive like Wayland Yutani, he can break the laws. Only we're subject to it. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was interesting in the Alien books, actually. I, I wondered. I had, you know, some of my characters... Um, Still, you know, they believe in God, and I, and I had to think about because it's set in twenty six ninety two. Mm. You know, it's a long time in the future, and I and and with science progressing as much as it had between now and then, and humans traveling through a sort of a small portion of the galaxy, I had to think about would there still be people? You know, is, is religion still right. going to be around? And yeah, it will. I'm pretty sure it will. So, so I did have you know some of my characters praying. Before they had their faces bitten off by right by a xenomorph, but well, it seems like is is it seems like it it, it would make sense only, and I, I am a I am a Christian, but I'm a um I'm not one of those Christians, <laughs> but uh but um but um just looking back at the at how religion has gone in the last like several thousand years, you know, yeah, even with all the scientific advances and stuff, it seems like um it kind of just evolved like the, like yeah. a, a, a christian Christian ideology evolves, and I think it i I think it would would probably still just keep evolving uh, yeah I think so yeah yeah, yeah. so I, I yeah that, I, I like that aspect of it mm. and, I can necessarily see uh you know religious fundamentalists in the future and that future least same interpreting the xenomorph that way it's a pla- the equivalent of a plague that god has spread for all the male pheasants that they've done by going out in the galaxy we're not supposed to be there etc cetera, etc cetera. i can see that god created the xenomorphs to punish us yeah yeah well who knows yeah yeah and i bet you didn't think you'd spend this much time talking about christianity no, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> you know, we didn't either that wasn't on our questions no. But you know, it's interesting you say that because we we did touch on Prometheus, and I'm uh, mm. I'm not a massive fan of the first film, but I can see, you know, certain ways that could progress that story. It, it, it's you know got a lot of sort of Christian mythos right. 
built into potentially built into the story, hasn't it? Really? Yeah, it does. Look at how the advanced extraterrestrials or the themes of advanced extraterrestrials taking the place of gods and like it's sort of a strange modern mythology. Even the UFO phenomenon fits in that. What else were the engineers? Well, that's right. Yeah, and that, that, there's the idea that they were trying to wipe out, wipe us out mm. two thousand years ago because we we crucified Christ and he was possibly one of them. Or you know, this right. is, there's, there's lots of theories about what what the film is all about because I I still don't know. Uh, but Ho- hopefully, the next two movies will uh, <laughs> make it worth yeah, it. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those movies that I love to hate. Yeah, I don't really hate it, but I'll I'll watch it again and again because I'm still trying to get a lot out of it, and it looks spectacular, and it's got a really great feel to it. But I, um, I I hope the next couple of movies make sense of it or make sense of themselves as well. Yeah, um, I'll keep giving them my money. Ridley Scott, it, 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 he should be able to put it all together. Let's what? hope. Look at that cool commentary, Tim, we see with the androids that are part of that, that future. It, like, you know, David and Prometheus and, and Lilia. Was that her name? What fascinating android character you created. I was hoping you could tell us a bit, you know, what inspired you to use her as a sounding board for so much? Um, I, I wanted a character who'd, who'd gone out with the founders and still existed, but wasn't necessarily, uh, wasn't really one of them. And I also... You know, she she goes through a real journey through all three books, and uh, I wanted um, I wanted to to have a character who could be three hundred years old, basically, without 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 being one of the people who become the rage, who are very old, but are also really sort of quite sick and twisted with with being with having extended their lifespan. And I like I really like the the androids in the films. There's Ash, um, Ash who's uh, you know. Uh, corrupted easily corrupted and then bishop who is sort of quite pure and childlike really and then um in the fourth movie there's a uh, call isn't there who uh, winona Ryder, who i thought was right. a really interesting character yeah. so I, I i just thought it would be it would be fun writing from the point of view of uh android or artificial human or whatever they call themselves Look at the ambiguity we got with David and Prometheus. I think ambiguity yeah. is the word there for that particular android. I don't mm. get him. <laughs> no, he he was a he was like an evolved android, wasn't he? I, I like that's that's one aspect of the film I really liked is him. You know, he could be as scheming and complicit as the humans around him, which does you know pretty much makes him human, I suppose. Yeah, and and also you know um, Waylon Yutani as a, um, as the villains is always. Uh, that's I think that's one of the things that makes the alien franchise work is uh yeah. having them as the the evil corporation like running <laughs> running basically the the whole you know space you know it, it, they're in charge and you know they you know that was originally a concept of the you know from the late seventies and early eighties and uh mm-hmm. when, when capitalism was 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 doing its thing and it doesn't yeah. seem it seems like we're still heading to that future more so than we are to the star trek type of of future um yeah i mean yeah it's difficult to say i'm i like to think i'm a bit of an optimist <laughs> we're, we're still here now and if you you know speak if you'd spoken to your parents 30 years ago they'd say oh i'm really worried about my kids future and mm. You know, we've got our ups and downs, but we're still here. Um, it's interesting to explore the dark possibilities, too. Not just the promise, but the possible peril. Is that... 
Yeah, I mean, the the, the whole Wayland Yutani thing is a big feature in the Rage War because um, I would have made it. I would have made it a feature anyway because that that interests me as much as colonial marines fighting aliens and predators. Mm. Um, I find, I find myself wondering if at that point in the future Wayland Yutani still has the services of. Wolfram and Hart as corporate lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> as revealed in an episode of Angel in season five. Right. Pretty awesome. Oh, really? Awesome. Right, okay, yeah. Yeah, no. yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were mentions, but they were called out and mentioned. They were one of the clients of Wolfram and Hart. Right. Good little crossover gem there. I like the crossover stuff. Have you heard of the other thing about the the earliest mention of Rayleigh Yutani in a in a in a timeline they reckon um the gray have you seen the movie the gray with liam neeson no i'm gonna make a point to now yeah uh it's a very vague um vague mention that that probably isn't even right i don't know but the the gray is a fantastic movie anyway on it in its own right don't don't regard it as a a, uh you know an alien canon movie it's it's just about a bunch of guys who are they have a plane crash and they're hunted by wolves. Basically, that's mm-hmm. what it's. But well, it, there's a lot of a lot of subtext to it. Um, but one of the guys has a W W Y um, baseball cap on. Oh. And they're and they're part of a sort of a. Um, I think they're oil drillers or they're 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 from a research base in the Arctic or somewhere like that. So there was just this there was this idea I've I've seen mooted. In various places, nice that, little Easter egg. Yeah, that's that's when you know that's the early Wayland Yutani. But somebody else said maybe he just comes from Wyoming. So <laughs> right, 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 right. So you know, I like to think that. that so do I. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so do I. It's nice. <laughs> well, if we go by the film Aliens versus Predator Requiem, Tim, what did you think about the idea at the end of that movie that the reverse engineering of alien technology may have started like in the present time from Wayland yutani when they got their hands on that Yuchi shoulder cannon. Uh, I, yeah, do you know, I've seen that film, can't remember much about it, but I suppose that's, that's probably, yeah, it's interesting. Maybe they got that idea from uh, the Terminator type thing. Yeah. don't know. So we're 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 just about out of time, um, and we really barely scratched the surface. Um, yeah. <laughs> before we end, um, is there any past, present, or future work that we didn't discuss that you'd like our listeners to know about? Um, yeah, I've got lots of novels we haven't talked about, but um, I think the next, I mean, my next uh, original novel is going to be is called The Family Man, and that's out in August in the UK. Um. And then I'm actually writing a trilogy for Titan called Relics. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first book is it's actually been written for some time, but it's not out until uh, a year from now. But I think they're going to be doing a big push for that. So um, that's Relics, The Lonely, and then Borderland has three novels that are coming out next year. And I've also got, which I probably can't announce yet, so I won't, but it's <laughs> another... Um, another novel that I've, I'm just about to sign a deal on now. That's going to be another uh, fantasy novel. So keep a lookout for an announcement fairly soon on that one. And hopefully, you know, there's a bit of movie stuff ticking over as well. So nice. um, possibly with the silence and possibly with the hunt. So uh, again, watch, watch this space on that. Yeah. And uh, speaking of watch this space, uh, where can listeners follow your projects on social media? 
Uh, I'm on Twitter and under Tim Leburn, and I'm on uh, on and off Facebook. Right, I to, I, as I found out. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. I, no yeah, worries. Yeah, right. No, I, I do tend to um, I log off quite regularly or deactivate. I do that too. I do that yeah. too. So I, yeah, I can't be upset. <laughs> it's like weight off your shoulders. Do you, do you yeah. have to feel three stone lighter and you're just going to take off and float into the atmosphere and enjoy your life for a little while before yeah. you're drawn back into the 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 cat memes and the people like <laughs> right. stupid things. And, and actually get work done. Yeah, I know. It's great. <laughs> but it's pathetic that I have yeah. to activate. I can't just turn it off and not, not log on. Because right. I'm actually on I'm on Facebook at the moment, and I keep you know every couple of hours. Oh, I wonder if anyone's replied to that person. Yep. It doesn't matter. So, um, yeah, most most Sundays I deactivate. So if anyone messages me on Facebook and then suddenly I've deactivated, I haven't unfriended you. I'm just <laughs> uh, I've just gone off to do some proper work for a bit. Um, but yeah, I've got a website as well, uh, www.timlevin.net, which is updated far too infrequently and I, I need to start um a good friend of mine tim love actually he he updates stuff on there for me sometimes um but i should i should be more attentive but yeah that's another thing on my list of things to do blog more all right um so well thank you for coming tim and uh i'm sorry it's so late on your side of the pond no it's fine <laughs> it's been a pleasure thanks for having it, me it, on. about half of our our guests so far have been from the uk so uh right, right. <laughs> we we keep running across the problem we try to you know we record two shows back to back and we try to give the our, our, our uk guests the the earlier slot <laughs> okay well appreciate that uh Not so thank thank you so much for coming on and we would love to have you on again absolutely uh, yeah, absolutely and um yeah, so um, we're going to go to commercial, and then when we come back, we're going to wrap up. Thank you again, Tim. Thank you. Cheers, Tim. Great to meet you. Well, that's about all the time we've got for today. Uh, join us next week when we'll be joined by guest co-host M.H. Norris and time-traveling authors Phil Hornshaw and Nick Horwich of the Time Travel Guide. Before we end, I want to thank our sponsor, Gannon Car Rentals. They have Nissan Versus. And also, a special thanks to Tiny White and the Duddites for our show's theme music, Leaf on a Stream. Thanks to all who listened. Remember to subscribe to and rate our shows on iTunes. And as always, everything happens somewhere. Good night. Good night.